Like a woman 42 weeks pregnant, a book past its due date, or a long need to visit between friends, this is overdue with Slut and the Prude. A bi-monthly feminist podcast that highlights the beauties of libraries while discussing everything from politics to pop culture and whatever nonsense pops into our heads. So, we are back in quarantine. <laughs> it's been some time. Also, with the podcast, but we are back. We are back yes. with the podcast, back into partial quarantine. At least yep. for me. Yeah, here in Hamilton, things are not quite as locked down. But here in Mississauga, they're, they are, sort of. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite full lockdown, is it? No, it's what they're calling a partial lockdown. So all non-essential uh, businesses, so restaurants, gyms, stores, spas, they're closed. Unless you are selling essential um, items. Uh, which includes, for some reason, big box retail stores, like Walmart. Oh. Uh, oh. And there's some controversy over that, because a lot of, obviously the little retailers are like, that's not fair. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's not like they're going to cordon off like the clothing section or something. Right, and that's what they're saying. Like, Doug Forbes, like, at first, um, the premier, not premier, prime minister, no, premier, um, was premier. like, yeah, we're going to make sure that you can't sell non-essential items. And then he's like, oh, well, I talked to them. And logistically speaking, we can't do that. That would be a nightmare because the non-essential items are scattered all across the store mixed with the essential items. Britain did it. I don't see why Walmart couldn't. <laughs> I don't even know why Walmart needs to be open at all. But there's like a no frills or a Whole Foods like literally down the road. Yeah, I agree with that. And so, yeah, like Costco and Walmart and all those big box retail stores, they're open. Um, schools are still open, but... um, Which should not. <laughs> and I don't care what he says. I genuinely believe, like, the biggest spreader to of the virus is definitely schools. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was passing uh, a middle school and an elementary school once when they were at recess, and... They were all screaming and running and grabbing each other, and nobody was social distancing, and none of them were wearing a mask. And I thought, yeah, you really expect me to believe that those little, like, petri dishes that you call kids are not spreading the virus when they're screaming in each other's faces like that? I yeah, don't think so. And, well, and also, like, it, I understand, as I'm sure you do, mm -hmm. how important it is for a child's development okay. to to have that kind of play with their peers. Mm -hmm. Because they need that for their development, for their, you know, just life in general. They need to have that time. Mm -hmm. But it is a petri dish for disease. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, I, I understand that it's good to give the kids a break from their masks and stuff. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to keep up even for an adult. So I can't even imagine for a child what mm -hmm. it's like. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to have a break from their masks, then they can't be playing games. No. Like they need, if they want to be outside and they're trying to say that because they're outside that there there's some kind of protection, which is partly true, then they have to be social distancing. You cannot yeah. be climbing on top of your friends, screaming in their face, and not be wearing a mask. Yeah. Right. That's exactly Even where I work how, right now, yeah. our, we're having an experience on, and we ask that everybody wears a mask at all times, mm -hmm. even when they're outside, mm -hmm. because we understand that there's potential for grouping mm -hmm. in certain areas. Yeah. 
And I understand like that uh, whole mental health of a child and their development and all that and how the kids are being depressed, being away from their friends and everything. At the same time, like that's also true for adults, you know, this whole yeah. partial quarantine and especially not knowing what's happening with your livelihood and whether or not you'll be like evicted because you can't pay your rent. Yeah. That's not good for their mental health either. No. And like this is the second time that small businesses have had to close. And especially around, yeah, and especially during the holiday season, this is like their biggest, you know, marketing time. This is often what actually helps them stay afloat. Yeah, like this is how the whole idea of Black Friday came about is because this is when retailers would actually go back into the black because of all the spending that people were doing for the holidays. And yeah. now the little retailers, they can't do that. That's not good for their mental health. So no, it's. Yeah, just doesn't seem fair and it doesn't make sense to me that some places are staying open while others aren't and it's just like what (laughs) yeah and I think that the definition of an essential service has definitely been a little bit twisted Mm -hmm. yeah and of course then you have all these like anti-maskers and anti-lockdown people who are out there being stupid and not making anything better for anybody and it's just like, I think people Ugh. are definitely twisting um, their privileges with their rights, and uh-huh. it's getting incredibly annoying. Yeah. And I, it's really difficult when, like, your privilege kind of coincides with somebody's rights. Like, it's my yes. privilege to go out and dine at a restaurant. Like, I don't have the right to do that, but it is somebody's right to make a livelihood in an industry that they chose. And if they chose a hospitality, yeah. you know, it's conflicting with them because they will write to a livelihood. It's my privilege to eat at their establishment. So, yeah. yes, telling me, yeah, go home and make your own dinner, Nora, like stop being a baby. <laughs> that's fine. I'm okay with that. But telling somebody you can't make a living, that's hard. But standing outside and picketing and acting a fool is not going to make anything better. No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a definitely a delicate line to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't know that there is a right answer mm-hmm. to all of this, but that's the point, right? It's it's supposed to be our government helping mm-hmm. make those decisions, and I feel like in this one, they're definitely favoring the already rich, mm-hmm. as they usually do. But no, especially the conservative government. Especially the conservative government. But like in this case, it seems really, um, especially so. Yeah, and it's just frustrating to see like the different reactions that um, different governments have had across the country. Because like in places like Nunavut and like even the Atlantic areas, they've had cases of like 15 and immediately they went into lockdown. Like the whole province went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, in cases like Quebec and Ontario and even Alberta, there's like in the hundreds and they're like, we're only going to go partial lockdown. This region will go into lockdown. This region won't. It seems very laissez-faire kind of attitude. And I mm-hmm. just like, this is not good guys. Yeah, we're having this many cases, and they were insane. Like their hospitals are overwhelmed. Like you need to do something more than just be like, "eh, we'll see what we're gonna do." Yeah, and like I can't even imagine people who. Oh, there's just so much. Mm-hmm. Not good. Yeah, especially this time of year when we want to especially be especially this time of year. 
I mean, I'm okay with a lockdown in winter because, you know, snowstorms. And then you're like, eh, that's fine. I don't have to go out in that anymore. <laughs> but yeah, like holidays and wanting to be with your friends and family and all that. That's, that's a bit of a piss. Yeah. And like, I know for Kyle and I, I think we're currently our thoughts are we're just going to have Christmas by ourselves. Yeah. Um. Just because I don't think it's worth the risk. Mm-mm. Technically speaking, Kyle's dad's is not our bubble anymore. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen really seen the friends in a while either, so they're not our bubble anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it makes sense to put anybody at risk like that. Yeah. yeah. Or I certainly don't want to look back if, say, Hamilton has to go into a lockdown mm-hmm. or we go into a full lockdown again. Yeah. I don't want to look back and think that I didn't do my part. Right. Yeah. Like there's there's one thing to say for the fact that the conservative government is blaming under 39s mm-hmm. for this um and understanding that well all of our workplaces were opened and you told us that we can't get serve anymore what are we supposed to do mm-hmm. but go back to work um and another to disregard instructions that make sense right Yeah. It's a tough time. Mm-hmm. And especially because of this partial lockdown. So what's happening in Ontario is that cities like Toronto and regions like Peel, mm-hmm. which is a combination of three or four cities in yeah. Ontario, um, they're in partial lockdown. But cities mm-hmm. around them, so like Hamilton, which is like two cities down Over. <laughs> yeah, from Mississauga, they're not in lockdown. And so... It's really weird to say that, like, people in this area cannot go out. And so it means, like, they can't, like, go over to their friends who live in Oakville or Hamilton or wherever. Yeah. And so even though technically this partial lockdown is supposed to be finished just slightly before Christmas, to cross over into the different regions to see your friends and family for the holidays, it just, it it seems risky and stupid. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, especially considering the the rules in place are, if you don't live in the area, don't go into it. Right. Right, like, don't leave your area of lockdown to go into an area of not lockdown. Mm-hmm. But that's been happening a lot, and a lot of mayors are concerned, yeah. because it's happening all over the GTA. Mm-hmm. But then, equally speaking, what's to say that, yeah, they lift lockdown just before Christmas, mm-hmm. And then people are going to take that to mean that they can go visit their family. Yeah. Even though the rules are you're a one household bubble unless you live alone, in which case you can be close to one other household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, it's a lot of, as we've said since the beginning of um, the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of mixed messaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is life. <laughs> uh, moving life. away from such depressing talk. Yes. <laughs> that was our uh, weekly, bi-weekly um, update on COVID and how we're handling it. And <laughs> some to... not well. <laughs> <laughs> to summarize that, yeah. Yes. Uh, not well. <laughs> Nobody is, I don't think. But, um, no, I don't think well, anybody no, is. No, Australia seems to be doing pretty well, but... Yeah. Well, because they were very strict from the very beginning. They were. But when you think about how they handle things like um, 
immigration and customs. Are we surprised that they also handled this so well? No. Yeah. I'm not surprised in the least. Yeah. It's just, it's really funny to me how the people who are protesting are feeling like their rights are being trampled on and they're like, you're trying to control us. And it's like the countries that are actually truly controlling are the actual countries that have gotten this under control. And it's for that reason. And it's like, you should really shut up about how controlled you feel by your government. Because, honey, you have no idea. If you have a drive, we've said it before, if you have a driver's license, a health card, if you drive on the correct side of the road, if you stop at stoplights, the government already knows you're complicit. Mm -hmm. Like, they already know. They don't need this as proof. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Anyway. Truly moving on this time. <laughs> yes. And so what is the topic of conversation this week, Em? So this week, we're going to be talking about women's health. Woo! Or I should say, the health of people with vaginas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, this is a topic that Nora and I talk about all the time. Yes. Um, I don't think we've necessarily we've touched on it in the podcast before. Probably um, mentioned it, or you know, topics have touched upon it, so we've had a brief mention. Mm-hmm. But we thought that it was only right to have a full episode on the topic because it's so important. Mm-hmm. And so, what inspired this conversation for you? Because I'm pretty sure this was something that you brought up as a topic. Yeah, has something happened on your end? Oh, in terms of just my life. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for those of you who don't know, I have PCOS, which is uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and it essentially means that my uterus and ovaries don't really work in the typical way. And it can lead to a lot of problems, um, both in terms of just, like, day-to-day living, but also in terms of fertility later on down the road, and medicine as well. It can lead to a lot of different complications. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being um, that it's really, really difficult. It's very easy to gain weight and very difficult to lose weight. Mm. And for whatever reason, a lot of the medical community, the answer to PCOS is to lose weight. Oh. And, and it's just, it makes it very difficult for somebody who's you know, body is literally medically unable to lose weight easily Mm -hmm. to handle those kind of situations. Mm -hmm. And um, this topic came up because we were talking about different kinds of birth control Mm -hmm. and what I found has worked for me Mm -hmm. versus other uh, medications Mm -hmm. and what has worked for Nora Mm -hmm. versus other things. And we thought it would be a really good topic to talk about in general. Yes. Yes, uh, during the summer, I was on the Great Birth Control Quest. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great name. (laughs) And so I was just looking for all these different options to um, switch up my birth control because Mm -hmm. I have been on the combination birth control pill for over a decade now. But um, thanks to quarantine, getting out and just in general, remembering to renew it was always like a pain in the ass for me. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who are not aware with uh, birth control, the ones that I had, they come in like a three-month package. 
And so at the end of the three months, you had to call up your doctor, get a renewal, get it over to the pharmacist, and then go over and get it from them. Mm-hmm. And especially during quarantine, the whole idea of having to leave the house was kind of anxiety-inducing for everybody. Especially going to a doctor. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, I was able to call them up, and they were able oh, just to, good. like, yeah, before. I didn't know that before, and I spent a lot of many stupid years just waiting in an office for, like, an hour for a stupid piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> and so, finally, um, I was told, yeah, just call your doctor. And I'm like, all right, because my doctor is stupid. And even though yes. I have an appointment, <laughs> I, was, I ended up waiting, like, hours, hours yeah. for a, prescri- a piece of paper, literally. And it was just like, okay, this is stupid. But anyway. Yeah. Um, tangent. So I was trying to find something that was more suitable to my lifestyle, something that I didn't have to constantly remember to not only take, but remember to renew and all that fun stuff. And so mm-hmm. that's where we kind of started talking about your options and other people's options and their experiences with mm-hmm. um, all the options out there, all the fun stuff that is associated with that. And before we move forward in this conversation, I do want to make it clear, neither Nora or I are medical doctors. <laughs> <laughs> um, neither of us have gone to medical school. Neither of us have um, any affiliation with uh anything we're going to talk about (laughs) this is just us wanting to open up the conversation because it is still considered a very taboo and uncomfortable topic for many people including period havers Mm -hmm. um and so you know take what we're going to say with a pinch of salt please Mm -hmm. consult your Mm -hmm. medical uh your you know professional Mm -hmm. uh if you are considering any of these options If your medical professional is not an option, there is always things like in the U.S. Planned Parenthood. And in Canada. Um, uh, Planned Parenthood as well in Canada. And other, you know, f- non-for-profit organizations yes. to help with um, women's and other people's health. Um, if you have questions or concerns that you don't feel comfortable taking to your doctor. Yes. We are talking from experience and from anecdotal evidence that other people have yes. and, shared with us. And things that the doctor has... Uh, a health professional has shared with us as well. So yeah. 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 So I just wanted to make that clear um, because we're not doctors, right. but of course, any anything- Nora might be one day. Yeah. But not <laughs> well, not that kind, kind of doctor, of doctor. <laughs> not this kind of doctor. Um, anything the doctor that ha- has told us, of course, was pertinent to our health. And so may not necessarily mm-hmm. apply to yours. So mm-hmm. like, like Emma said, take what we say with a grain of salt and know that just because a doctor said it to us may not necessarily be true for you. So don't go running to your doctor and being like, well, I heard the overdue podcast say that this works for this, so <laughs> I want that. No. But also, don't be afraid to go to your doctor with something we've said. Yes, exactly. As to ask if this is an option for you. Exactly. That's why having these conversations is so important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think the first thing, really, that I kind of wanted to talk about more is how little women's health seems to be talked about Mm -hmm. or spoken about Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. I feel like after the normal, like, school talk, Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean, like the sex ed talk, the first time you learn about periods and sex and that kind of thing, when you're in, like, I don't know, I was probably in, like, fourth or fifth grade, I guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe, yeah, when we first had these chats. Yeah. I feel like after that, you don't hear anything about it. 
mm-hmm. other than like occasionally hearing it from like the girls in the class who would start their periods. Yeah. You know? That is true. And I think what's really interesting is the fact that when you start having this talk, which is like what you said about fourth, fifth grade, is the way in which they, the schools go about it. Because I remember mm-hmm. that once we started talking about periods and ovulation and all that, we were separated from the boys. It's like, okay, now health class, girls go to this room and boys go to that mm-hmm. room. And it's like, now girls, we're going to talk to you about your periods. And I'm just like, okay, but why aren't the guys here? Mm-hmm. And it's like this idea that what is happening to us, what is happening to like every, you know, uh, vagina. Vagina haver. Yeah. Like, why is this not something that we can talk about with the members of the opposite sex? Mm-hmm. Like, this is like no different than having a nosebleed. And this is like no different than having, you know, a stomach. Like your ovary and your vagina is just an anatomical part in your body. That's no different than your stomach. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, 50% of the population will have it, while the others don't. But really, I don't understand why this was not something that could be discussed in front of the boys, because mm-hmm. they are definitely, most likely, going to run into a vagina-carrying member of society at one point, and will probably yeah. be affected by this. They will yeah. either marry one, they will either have one, or they will have, like, a sibling that has it. So. Or a friendship, or a, or a mother, or a... Yeah, they'll come, they all come from one. <laughs> so yeah yeah, just like no this is not something we can discuss in front of the boys it's like why and it starts from the very beginning of these conversations with a tone of shame yes right because it's like you separate the boys and the girls so first of all i feel like us as women didn't get as much information about the male anatomy and male puberty and anything like that which i feel like is just as important to know yeah um, like how men change through life and how the male anatomy works. Yeah. We didn't get any of that, which I feel like is important because we will also interact many times over with, you know, penis havers. Mm-hmm. But it also puts into this thing, this idea that it's a shame, like there's shame in talking about periods and vaginas and that kind of thing mm-hmm. with the boys in class. Cause I don't know how much they actually got taught. Mm hmm. Like, properly, you know? Because we weren't in the conversation with everybody. Yeah. I think their extent was probably just, like, the physical happenings. Because I remember we had, like, a test. And it was just like, okay, what stage does this happen during whatever, whatever? Or or what stage does the egg get released from the fallopian tube, right? Or, like, what happens after this? And it was very, very biological, very medical, very basic. But... And I think the guys were there for that test. But so I think that's all they really understood. But I think they needed to have more understanding of what is happening so that they don't come up with these stupid ideas. I just love seeing all those memes where they're like, can't you just like stop? Or can't you just hold it? Yes. Can't you hold it? Yes, I can. Just hold the blood up in there. Or like the memes that are like, oh, sorry, like... Like, a girl talking to her partner, and it's like, oh, sorry, honey, but my period started today. And they're like, well, can't you just, like, make it next week? <laughs> and it's like, if I could, I would. <laughs> I saw this one post of, like, questions guys had said to, like, their partners or whatever. And um, this little her little brother was talking to her, and he's like, I have a question about your period. And she's like, okay. And he's like, 
do you get them on the weekends too? Like on holidays? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And he's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how we feel. Jesus Christ. Like, it it really doesn't care. Your period has no shame. It's like, are you going out tonight? Having that cute little dress? That's cool. But here I come. It's so interesting how many people think that, like, people seem to forget that the idea of dates, mm-hmm. like weekdays, weekends, and like months, and like whatever, that those stem, those are very recent mm-hmm. in terms of human just development, like humans as a race. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, periods and menstrual cycles, they stem from literal biology. Mm -hmm. Like, as soon as we were mammals, we were having menstruation. It was different Mm -hmm. before we were humanoid, and it's different in other mammals. But all mammals have, like, periods, basically. And so it doesn't care about when, right? Like, it's... It's based on 28 days Mm -hmm. for most people. And it's based on hormones. Hormones don't care about if it's a Monday or a Sunday. No. You know, hormones don't care whether it's a December or an August. (laughs) Right? And I feel like people, especially, you know, non-vagina havers, seem to really, like, get shocked by this fact. That it's like, it's not, like, a literal timer. Yeah. And, like, you might know that you're roughly 28 days and, you're, like, you're roughly, you know, a 28-day cycle that repeats. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you were really stressed that month, mm-hmm. you could throw it off by a week mm-hmm. and have no idea. That's why oftentimes even we, the the period havers, are like, oh, God, it's just started. Yeah. So... I recently got a period tracker because after I actually missed um, picking up my package, my prescription. Mm -hmm. And so there was a couple of months where I had a regular period and it was the first time. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was the first time since probably starting my period. And it was uh, a new level of hell that I had totally forgotten about. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, I literally have no remembrance of what the heck is happening with my period. So I got a tracker to kind of like figure out when I could expect it again. And I was like, just so blown away by like how off it was each month. And I'm like, oh, okay. The first month I actually kind of guesstimated it right, happened, got it, whatever. And then the next month it was like, where the heck are you? I thought you were supposed to start like last week. Oh, and the the funny thing thing was that my tracker kept trying to tell me your period is starting tomorrow. Your period is starting tomorrow. Your period is starting tomorrow. (laughs) And then by like the third or fourth day, it's like, um, your period is late. And I'm like, yeah, gee, thanks for letting me know. I didn't realize that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the notification. I was not aware that I did not have a period this month. Thank you. And see, it also goes to show that even though we try our very best to like, not control it because we can't control it, but to put it into the framework of like us being able to organize our lives. Mm-hmm. It's just a big F you, mm-hmm. right? It's like a, you think you can control me? Huh. <laughs> yeah. And then this month I am 
I'm back on the pill last month. Mm-hmm. But this month, I seem to not have one. Or was it last oh. month? I guess maybe it was last month. Because I didn't have a yeah. period last month. So technically, I'm like in the new package, new cycle, whatever. But yeah, so I didn't have one, which was, I guess, nice considering what a colossal mm-hmm. headache it was the first time. <laughs> I mean, my period came back with a vengeance. It was like, you stifled mm-hmm. me for like over a decade. Here I come. It yeah. took all kinds of revenge on me. It was not fun. Yeah. And so now, thank you, Pill. It kind of put that genie back in the bottle. It's like, haha, contain the beast. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like now the tracker keeps saying, your period's starting tomorrow. Your period's starting tomorrow. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, Is there nothing in the tracker to be able to say that you're back on the pill? Yeah, I put it on that I'm using a combination pill, but it's still saying my period's starting tomorrow. Of course it is. I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah, and the thing with when you're on the pill as well is that it can change your period so much that you you don't even realize you're having it. Because mm-hmm. it's not technically for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. When you're on a birth control, uh, any kind of birth control, any period you do experience isn't actually menstruation because usually you're not ovulating when you're on birth control. Mm-hmm. So you're having what is called breakthrough bleeding. Mm-hmm. And it's just a like breakthrough of hormones that just kind of release whatever um lining you have Mm -hmm. um because depending on which birth control you have and we might touch on a couple in a minute um you're either going to stop ovulating or it's going to make it uh your lining very very thin Mm -hmm. um or it's going to make it difficult for sperm to reach your egg or a combination of all of these things Mm -hmm. And this combination of all of these things is what makes it so that they're effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're having breakthrough bleeding, sometimes if you go from not being on the pill to being on the pill, or like you did, being on birth control, not being on birth control, being on birth control in such a short amount of time, mm-hmm. you might not even have any lining to shed this month. Mm-hmm. And that could be why you're not seeing anything. Yeah, It's fun. <laughs> it's it fun is. what we do to our bodies yeah. yeah and and for me it's a very different story i uh had never had birth control until i met my until i met kyle mm-hmm. um i had been on it once before just to try to uh, manage some acne mm-hmm. and i hated the way i felt it really didn't help my acne and again as i said medical the medical field is not great for larger bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was switched to a different doctor and they removed me because they didn't want me to get any blood clots. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that in my family, there is no history of blood clots and they didn't even do any tests on me. They just decided that because I'm overweight um, without even taking blood pressure, blood screens, anything, they just decided to take me off it because they were worried about blood clots. Mm. Um And so other than that brief period when I was, like, maybe 16, um, where I was on it for probably three months, um, other than that, I had never been on birth control before. And my periods have always been incredibly painful, uh, irregular, and very heavy. Mm -hmm. So most people have, you know, bleeding for three to five days is usually average, um, usually really heavy in the beginning, getting lighter towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that was never my experience. Mm-hmm. I always bled for at least seven days straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always 
the same heaviness almost all the way throughout, except for the last day. Um, and it was so much so that, like, I... They they say the average that you might use, say, a menstrual product mm-hmm. is you would have to change it maybe once every two to three hours. Yeah. And that's usually what doctors will use as kind of like a baseline of what normal is, mm-hmm. is every day, how often are you changing your menstrual product? Well, I was having to change them every hour sometimes. Oh, gosh. Or, le- or like at most I could go two hours if I used an overnight. Mm-hmm. And like overnight, it was always, I was always just like hoping to God that uh, I didn't wake up in a sea of blood. Mm. Like, because I wasn't going to wake up every two hours, obviously. <laughs> um, and so that's just kind of how I lived. And I was always really cripplingly in pain from cramps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I just took that to be my normal. Mm-hmm. Because nobody had talked to me about it. When I told my doctors, they weren't really concerned. Especially when I was like had only had my period for a couple of years and they're just like, Oh, it can take a few years for it to settle. Um, you know, we wouldn't worry about it too much. So I just didn't. Mm-hmm. And then after the pill, I just didn't think about it because nobody was talking to me about it. I wasn't interested in getting any birth control. So it wasn't a big, big deal yeah. to me anyway. Well, then comes the time that I was ready to go on birth control. Um, when, uh, Kyle and I got more serious, and I tried to go to, not Planned Parenthood, but one of the other kind of women's clinics, mm-hmm. women's health clinics, um, because I didn't have an OBGYN, I didn't have a regular doctor, and I kind of was just hoping to have a quick, like, a just give me the pill <laughs> kind of situation. Um, but I wasn't really interested in the pill because it really did mess me up. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, no, I skipped a whole year or two. Never mind. <laughs> when, I first, when I first started wanting to go on the pill, I was I went to my family doctor. He prescribed me something, and we were all good. Mm-hmm. I was having issues. I didn't, um, I didn't like uh, the pill. I didn't like what it was doing, so I went to my doctor again. Mm-hmm. He forwarded me to an OBGYN mm-hmm. um, so that I could talk to, and for those who don't know, an OBGYN is an obstetrician. Mm-hmm. Um, an obstetrician and gynecologist. Mm -hmm. And that is a doctor specifically focused on um, vaginal health. Mm -hmm. um, And oftentimes will also be the doctor that you go to when you are trying to get pregnant or are pregnant and will see you through your pregnancy. Uh, Sometimes your OBGYN is the doctor that will help you deliver your baby, Mm -hmm. depending on whether you are in a hospital or you want to go to a midwife, like through a midwife or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we'll also see postpartum and we'll deal with your health. And usually they will deal with your health from the day you get your period to the day you die or the day you stop Mm -hmm. having one when you uh, go through menopause. Um, so my doctor set me up with one of them and it was a terrible experience for me Mm -hmm. with my OBGYN. I had a very old school doctor who, uh, believed that most of my problems with my period were coming from my my being overweight. Mm -hmm. Um, He just told me to take this pill, uh, wait three months, come back and visit him and try to just shut my mouth and stop eating so much. (sighs) Um, Kyle was with me for all of every appointment I went to pretty much, um, including the first one, mostly because I was so scared. I just wanted somebody there with Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) Um, 
And yeah, that was my experience with this doctor. I think I tried four or five different pills in the course of like a year and a half. Oh my god. Because I was having no luck. So the first set of pills I tried um, didn't help with the heaviness of my period at all. Um, in some ways it made it worse. Um, one set of pills I was cramping even more <laughs> than normal, mm-hmm. which is awful. <laughs> yeah. Because I was already pretty bad. Another set of pills were making me really bad, giving me really bad PMS. Mm-hmm. And I'd never exper- experienced PMS before. Ooh, aren't um, you lucky? Yeah, Must like be nice I really... God's favorite. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's the only like, thing I... you didn't get. <laughs> that's the only thing I didn't get was PMS. Like Kyle will even say, like I was hardly ever moody. Like I would get really kind of um, clingy and weepy, <laughs> like before my period. But otherwise, that was it. Like that was my PMS. I'd get clingy and weepy, but not moody. Mm-hmm. And then this one pill I was on was like I was a monster. <laughs> like I was so. Like, just moody and nasty and snappy. Yeah. So, we tried all sorts of different things. And I can remember vividly, this was before I met Kyle, and it was one of the things that clued me in that maybe something was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was really stressed out and and stuff because I it was when I first moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. I had a period that lasted 19 days. Holy crap. It was 19 days of the same heaviness. Ooh. For, like for like a solid like 17 of those 19 days how did you not pass out i would have i the thing is is i did a lot like i was very like dizzy and weak and like i really didn't feel good yeah i took like iron pills because there's anemia runs Mm -hmm. my family so my grandmother and i also wasn't confident enough to talk to my grandmother about this issue Mm -hmm. which is another reason why this podcast is so important Mm -hmm. um but yeah i was just dizzy and weak and slept a lot Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I didn't think it was ever going to end <laughs> so in the end um, I had a bunch of tests done and I had a bunch of scans done and stuff, ultrasounds and they found out that I had PCOS mm-hmm. and I felt like I already knew that because I'd done research, I'd heard stories I was like, oh that sounds a lot like me Yeah. but I didn't want to get tested because I didn't want to be told yeah that I had PCOS because for me, having children is, is what I want in life. Mm-hmm. And I want to adopt and foster, but I really want to carry a child at least once, mm-hmm. like carry and have birth and give birth. Mm-hmm. And so I never wanted to find out that I had PCOS. Mm-hmm. But from there, I was able to get a better doctor mm-hmm. to give me more options. And that's how I ended up on the IUD instead of on the pill. Mm-hmm. Because no pill I tried worked for me. Yeah. And I tried so many varieties over the course of, of the last few years mm-hmm. and just nothing worked. Like I was either moody or in too much pain or the bleeding was just the same as it was on my regular period. And the whole point of me going on birth control was to help ease that. Um, and so I finally ended up on the IUD because it can really help with the symptoms of PCOS. Mm-hmm. It is not a cure. That's the big thing that I've learned is that a lot of doctors, until you're ready to have kids... When you have PCOS, they don't really want to tackle the the root cause yeah. of. They just want to manage your symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so um, I finally ended up on the IUD. And since then, I've had I've been extremely happy with the IUD. I haven't had any trouble with the IUD. Um, every so often, I get a little crampy. Yeah. 
but that could be the IUD shifting because it is an item. For those who don't know, it's an inner inner uterine device. Mm-hmm. So which means it gets shoved up there. <laughs> yeah, it gets put into your uterus, and so of course you're gonna if you shift a little weirdly, it's shifting too. Mm-hmm. So it could be that, or it could be the fact that technically I do still have periods, yeah. even though I have. They are so light for me at this point that I have not seen any yeah. since I had the IUD. Mm-hmm. I think I had one one period after, and then after that, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I heard, too, when I was doing research, because I decided that I think I want a more permanent. Mm-hmm. And it, the IUD is not, like, permanent, permanent. It's just a longer. No. I mean, after, like, maybe 12 Five years. Five to seven yeah. years, I think. Yeah. So it will have to be come out eventually and then be replaced, but it's definitely uh, longer than the three months that I do with my mm-hmm. pills. And so I've been looking at that, and I've been talking to people who have used an IUD, and that's what I've heard from them as well, is that their period, mm-hmm. well, especially with the hormonal IUD as opposed to the copper IUD, yes, uh, their periods have definitely become lighter. All their uh, symptoms have been more manageable. And I think one of my friends, she either has uh, what you have or she has endometriosis. Oh, yes. Another, That's a terrible, terrible. Yeah, another period one. or re- vagina-related fun symptom or disease, yeah, whatever, illness. illness, yes. Um, I'm not too familiar with it, so if you have questions about that, I definitely recommend you looking it up. But mm-hmm. she said that that's why she went on the IUD, was probably to help, help with that. Mm-hmm. So I've, That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I think really for me, it's really just, I'm lazy. <laughs> And I, I don't have, like, $74 for every three months to be paying for this crap. Yeah. It's just, it's just getting too much. But, yeah, I mean, definitely talking to your doctor and having a doctor that's actually going to listen and respect you mm-hmm. is so important, especially when we talk about these things. Because when I started on the pill, like, my doctor, she's kind of crap anyway, but... She totally dismissed me. Like, I looked at the symptoms of the pill, and it clearly said cramps. And mm-hmm. I was suffering with, like, the most horrific cramps that I've I've ever experienced. It was, like, nothing that I had ever had in my life. I was doubled over in pain. I was crying. My yeah. boyfriend at the time had no idea what to do. I looked like I was in labor, like, the beginning stages of labor. Like, that's how bad it was. And I'm like, I don't understand what is happening. And I, so I looked at my little pill package, and I was looking at the symptoms, and it said, can cause cramps. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not good. I don't want that. So I went to the doctor, no. and I'm like, I think the pill is giving me really bad cramps. And I'm thinking maybe we should go on a different pill or something. And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, what? And she's like, no, the pe- the pill doesn't do that. Uh, no, but I, I have, I'm having really bad How cramps. <laughs> like, it, I even brought the book, and I'm like, it's in the booklet. She's like, no, 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 the pill doesn't do that. I cannot believe that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> um, so what then? And she's like, oh, I don't know, it's just cramps. Here, take some pills. And so she gave me these, like, really strong, like, ibuprofen pills that you had to take with food. And that was it. That was kind of the end of the discussion. It was just like... Here are some pills. Um, thanks. But no, I'm pretty sure it yeah. was the... the. Um, I'm almost certain as well, because another reason I changed the IUD is because I was really depressed. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Honestly, my mood dropped so bad on the pill. Yeah. Like, just in general, like, over time, I just found myself, like, sadder and sadder and less and less happy. Mm-hmm. 
and like even Kyle noticed it, mm-hmm. and so that was another reason I changed from the um, IUD because I feel like the hormonal pill really mm-hmm. wasn't working for me. Yeah, and it's true for like all birth control options that there yes. will be side effects. So just because we had like really bad side effects from the pill, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean somebody else will. Like my side effects cleared up um, the that particular pill in a couple of um, months, and I was fine. Then I tried yeah. an injection, and I had like the worst PMS symptoms. And I'm like, the hell with this! I don't even care to go back to get another injection. I can't do it. But yeah. and uh, there may be symptoms uh, or side effects if I do the IUD, which I'm thinking of doing. And mm-hmm. so, whatever this, like everything's going to have side effects, and it's just kind of like a way of like riding them out if you want to, and if you don't yeah. or if you can't, then yeah, you try something else. And it's also just shows the fallacy of women's health mm-hmm. is that they've in the past tried to create a one shot fix all mm-hmm. for, you know, vaginal health. Yeah. And it doesn't work like that. Like everybody's body's different, everybody's hormones are different. And it would be far better for me mm-hmm. and any other sufferer of other um you know, vaginal issues, even just periods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if doctors would focus more on fixing the fixing the issues than addressing the symptoms, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, uh, the birth control industry is a multi million dollar industry. Yeah. yeah, and at the end of the day, that is what it is before anything else. And I think it just pays to be mindful of your options. Mm-hmm. And if and don't be afraid to get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. I obviously, when I got told that I had PCOS by that one doctor, my first OBG, mm-hmm. um, and then he told me to just kind of shut my mouth and stop eating without even asking me what I ate. Yeah. Um, and also uh, didn't seem to take me seriously when I said that I felt really bad on the pill and that I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. He just kept saying, just wait out the next month mm-hmm. and then call us. Yeah. And he kept saying that. Um, and when I was worried about symptoms, he didn't seem to want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I got a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And it was the best decision I could have made because my OBG is much better. Mm-hmm. Um, he is old, though, so I'm going to have to find a new one soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mine's but, just incompetent, so I had to find a new one. <laughs> well, yeah. So it always... I understand that in places like the U.S. Mm-hmm. where healthcare is not free, it might be difficult for you to be able to switch doctors, mm-hmm. um, but find somewhere like a, a Planned Parenthood or, you know, a, a non-for-profit women's health clinic. Mm-hmm. They are all over the world because it's always worth getting a second opinion if you think that something is wrong. Trust your gut on those things. Mm-hmm. It's your body after all. Yeah. So we are at 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Which is getting close to our, obviously we try to do an hour. Um, Nora, it's up to you whether you want to do another episode about like period products and different options or whether you want to just add it onto here. Uh, I definitely like the idea of another episode. I definitely feel like there should be an ongoing, um, I guess, segment. Yeah, I definitely feel like women's health and vagina health, vaginal health and all that mm-hmm. should definitely be something that we continuously talk about. I don't mm-hmm. think we could fully do it justice in one mm-hmm. um, hour episode. So I definitely like yeah. the idea of another one. 
Um, okay. Yes. But we'll do that then. Before we go, I would like to share some very exciting news in terms of periods and, um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to check in with what we're doing. And I agree. I think that we'll have to do a whole nother episode focused on uh, period health. Absolutely. In terms of literally periods themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Tell us the good news. Okay, so drum roll, please. <laughs> this, uh, not last Tuesday, Scotland Parliament actually p- passed a bill uh, to a 121 to zero vote. That allow allows um, the country to provide free access to period products. So Scotland is actually the first country in the entire world to actually do this, and and that is freaking amazing. Yes, this bill was um, brought up by Monica Lennon, who is from the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> And she campaigned against what she called period poverty since 2016. And essentially what period poverty is, is just a person's inability to access a period product simply because they are of a lower SES class, which is just stupid. It's stupid and incredibly disrespectful. And incredibly sexist. Uh, and incredibly sexist. The fact that we have to pay an exorbitant amount of money for something that just happens naturally to us that we do not control. Yeah. and. I heard someone put it into a really good perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this idea: if you give two homeless people a homeless penis haver mm-hmm. and a homeless peer, uh, vagina haver, mm-hmm. the person with the penis would be able to put that ten dollars towards food, towards a whole meal, mm-hmm. maybe towards clothes, whatever. But somebody with, you know, who has a vagina might have to spend seven of those ten dollars just on period products for that month yeah and and that's incredible plus tax Mm -hmm. in a lot of places here in ontario we're lucky they scrapped the tax Mm -hmm. on that Mm -hmm. but it's just it's just inconceivable yeah and so under the bill the government must set up measures to allow anyone who needs period products to get them free of charge and schools and universities must make them available free in bathrooms. And so the government actually provided free products to schools and universities before, but now they're making sure that um, these are now readily accessible in the bathrooms at all times. That's amazing. Which it, yeah. Yeah. And I hope they're progressive enough to put some in both gendered bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Because just because someone presents as a male... Mm-hmm doesn't necessarily mean that they uh, don't have a vagina and don't have periods. Mm -hmm. Or, as I was lucky enough, Kyle always had period products on him for me Mm -hmm. um, wherever we went. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe it'll also stop the stigma a little bit. I definitely believe that all penis-caring members of society should have period products on them at all times. Simply because mm-hmm. you really do not know when you will come across a vagina caring member of society who will may need one. It could be your mom. Yeah, it could be I your girlfriend. Agree. It could be your best friend. It could be your transgender bro. Yeah. So you really, and or I it could just be the stranger agree. on like the bus or, you know, the girl in lecture who just like freaked out because, oh my God, I just got my period and I don't have anything. And so, you know, be yeah. that cool dude that slides over discreetly the pad or whatever, you know, wave it in the air like you don't care. 
whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I do feel like it might help the stigma a little bit if if men and boys are exposed mm-hmm. to those things earlier. Yeah. Because I know, oh, we, we should do another tangent. Mm-hmm. We should definitely do a whole episode, whether we do it with the period products mm-hmm. episode or as a separate episode. We need to do period memes. Yes. Because they're so funny. But one of my favorite ones is that a lot of men think that when you take a sanitary pad, when us vagina havers use a sanitary pad, that we put the sticky part on our vagina. (laughs) You would not believe how many people believe that. Oh my god, my favorite one is when people take, you know, the little, um, I don't know, the vagina opener that they use in your... uh, Oh, speculum? Yes. And they post it, and they're like, girls, let's confuse the guys and ask them, what do you think this is? And just hearing all their, like, remarks, it's just like, what is that, like a metal duck? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And just like, oh, those are awesome. Oh, isn't that what you use to curl your eyelashes? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, a curler or something? I don't know. What is that? Yeah, those, yeah. Uh, Okay. So I feel like we could do an entire episode just on the period Oh, we could. We should. We will Mm. one day. And so I think if there's, like, menstrual products in both gendered bathrooms, mm-hmm. if somebody was curious and they just wanted to see, mm-hmm. I feel like that would help the stigma, too. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's just normal. That's just what's in bathrooms. Yes. Because you never know who's going to need one. You never know, you know, when it's going to be applicable. Mm-hmm. And no, no person should, first of all, put themselves at risk by using... A sanitary product for too long because mm-hmm. we haven't even touched on toxic shock syndrome and how unfair that mm-hmm. is to the human race <laughs> um but also you know no person should have should put themselves through the indignity mm-hmm. of not having mm-hmm. something as essential as a sanitary product mm-hmm. because there is no like real option mm-hmm. Other than, like, other than one of the many types of sanitary product, there's no real alternative. Mm -hmm. Like, I've known people who were pretty impoverished growing up, who had to use rolled up socks. Who, you know, would just, like, go into public bathrooms and, like, wad up toilet paper. And it's like, that's, no one should be put through that indignity. No. Not for something that is uncontrollable. Yeah, and something that is natural. Yeah. Like, this is no different than any other thing that happens in our body. It's just something that happens to us. Yeah. And there's no reason why we should be shamed for it. No. There is actually a very good gynecologist, OBGYN, that I would like to share with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess she can be from our from the Dropbox. Yes. Because I absolutely love her. And... She is amazing at talking about periods and all the things that happened with her vagina. Mm-hmm. And so if you would like like a quick introduction into periods and how they're related to like the patriarchy and all that, I definitely mm-hmm. recommend you watch her TED Talk called Why Can't We Talk About Periods? Right to the point. Mm-hmm. And she is Dr. Jen Gunter. She is an author and the amazing book called the vagina bible talks about vaginal health dispels some of the myths that we have she also has another book called the 
Menopause Manifesto that talks about menopause. She is active on Instagram and Twitter and all the fun stuff. And I just highly recommend her. Mm -hmm. So if you have any questions or just curious or you just like awesome, badass female doctors, I definitely recommend that you follow her and check out that TED Talk because she is dope. Yeah, and if and while you're on that, I'd actually love to also recommend a YouTuber. Uh, she's called Mama Doctor Jones, Ooh. and she's also an OBGYN. But if you're looking for more of a low key, laid back, funny mm-hmm. version of um, your doctor, um, I recommend her a lot. She does some really funny, low key videos. Sometimes, like she'll react to uh, TV shows mm-hmm. and how they show birth and and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um so if you're looking for a little bit of a funnier side i highly recommend her but she also does talk about the seriousness of um health Mm -hmm. and women's health Mm -hmm. so a couple of badass obgyns i'll give you a little more information about periods and your vagina carrying bodies and all that fun Mm -hmm. stuff because obviously like we said we are not doctors and we don't know anything or everything so (laughs) Here are some people who could give you a better idea about what is happening. But of course, they are not your doctors who do not take their word as gospel either because they are giving more general information that may or may not necessarily apply to you. So don't be like, well, Dr. Jen said this, so this has to be true about me too. And it's like, no. (laughs) Use use these things that we share, especially when it comes to health and doctors, as a door opened mm-hmm. to allow you or to give you permission to explore your own health mm-hmm. use their words and their explanations and our anecdotal evidence to maybe give you the confidence to take a step towards bettering your own health mm-hmm. uh, like me i kind of knew that there was something wrong with my periods but i didn't do anything about mm-hmm. it because i didn't really have anybody to explicitly say there's something wrong with that mm-hmm. Or that is not normal. You should probably go see a doctor. Yeah. I didn't have that upbringing or that relationship with anybody mm-hmm. to help me through that. Um, so let us be your big sisters, yes. um, your aunties, whatever works for mm-hmm. you, um, to let you know that through our stories, give you the confidence to be able to take your health seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to not back down if you feel like something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Because I backed down a lot growing up mm-hmm. from doctors and just assumed what they said was right. Yeah. So yeah. take it as that. Yeah. And sometimes having this knowledge is actually really helpful when standing up to other doctors because you actually mm-hmm. have an understanding of what is happening. And so you're not just taking everything that they say at face value. And mm-hmm. if they say this, but you know, Dr. Jen has said also that you can say, well, hmm, I don't know. I've heard about this, Doc. What do you think about that? And it may mm-hmm. be that they never thought of that or they just didn't think that you knew enough about it so they didn't tell you. You know, yeah. Not every doctor is necessarily malicious. Some people no. are just, you know, whatever. <laughs> but Yeah, and some doctors have gotten into such a, I don't say a rut, yeah. but they have seen, they see so many people over the years, over their lifetime, mm-hmm. um, and even the same things in one patient mm-hmm. that it can be very easy to end up with blinders yeah. on yeah. of, of just like, cause they're humans too. At the end of the day, doctors are just like any of us 
you know, they have their own lives to deal mm-hmm. with, their own things, plus the extra stress of being the primary carer of of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's easy to get blinders on where you see these fault four symptoms mm-hmm. and your brain just automatically clicks onto, well, it must be this. Right. Um, ignoring maybe what your patient is talking about um, that goes a little bit more in depth or maybe talking very casually about something that should be a red flag for some different disease or illness. Right. Um, so, you know, just have confidence that it's your body. If you know something's wrong, talk to somebody, get a second opinion. Also give doctors the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, they're human. They have things going on too. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be careless with your health, but you know, they're human. They might have gotten into this place where they just assume things. Right. But with that said, <laughs> <laughs> for me, Emma. And me, Nora. We'll see you next time. <laughs>